If you listened to last week's podcast, you heard my big news. I have a new sponsorship for this year. Homeland Credit Union has graciously and generously decided to partner with me and my podcast this year, and I could not be more excited. We love Homeland. My mom and dad have banked there for as long as I can remember. My husband and I have accounts there, and we opened accounts for our kids. So we have three generations of family banking there, and it has been absolutely wonderful. It is pure nostalgia for me anytime I go in with my kids because I remember being a little girl going in with my parents. They have the best customer service. They are so helpful and they will answer all of your questions, anything you need. So any banking needs that you may have, give them a call 740-775-3331 and be sure to let them know that Elena sent you. Hi there, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Pour It Out with Alana Beverly. I am your host, Alana, and I'm super excited to have you with me today. Today on the podcast is our chat with a pastor conversation, and it is with Pastor Mason Good from New City Church. And this is such a good conversation. You know, I love these chat with a pastor conversations so much because it gives me an opportunity to sit down and talk with so many of the leaders in our community. And a lot of times the conversations I have are first time conversations with these pastors. And that is true with Mason. He and I have chit chatted here and there and roast and out and about in the community when I've seen him. But this was the first time that we got to sit down and have a conversation and really get to know each other. And it was so much fun. In fact, I think we talked for a good hour before we even started recording. And it just was a lot of fun. He grew up in Waverly. I was in Chillicothe, but um, I hung out a lot in Waverly when I was in high school and come to find out um, my friend's house that I hung out with all the time was actually his neighbor. And so there were just a whole lot of different connections that were made and had a lot of fun reminiscing and talking about old times and, um, where we didn't actually hang out together, but because we had so many mutual friends, it just, it felt like we had been friends forever. So it was a really fun conversation and a really fun time of just getting to know him and hearing his heart. And then we hit record and you all get to hear the rest. And it's just such a good conversation. He's such a good guy. And I'm so, so grateful that he and his family have invested into our community the way that they have. And It is just such a blessing to have people like him as leaders in our city. And um, I just, I can't say enough good things. It's, It's a good thing. We are blessed beyond words, truly. So I will stop rambling so that you guys can hear all of the wisdom that he has to share. Um, So just grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink and join us as we pour it out. Well, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being here. 
Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this one. Um, okay, well, Mason, good. Tell me a little bit about you. Uh, grew up in Waverly. Um, and so uh, Waverly class of 2008, um, was there all my life. Um, got married, spent some time in Chicago, spent some time in Columbus, spent some time in Philadelphia. Don't ask, oh. don't ask me any questions about Philadelphia. <laughs> was that for school or was that for just, school? Okay. Yeah. So we, you know, so we were, so undergrad in Chicago and for my wife, Valerie, Ohio state for me, we got married right whenever we graduated, lived with her parents for two months and then moved to do, um, our master's degrees. And so, yeah. So Philadelphia was, we were looking for a place that had a med school that Valerie liked and a seminary that I liked. Um, that's not a huge list. That was basically, that was like regional. And so we were between Louisville and Philadelphia were our two choices. Uh -huh. Um, I wanted to go to Louisville. Um, Louisville was sort of Valerie's safety school for med school. The Philadelphia school was like a long shot school. Med school admissions is just strange. Mm -hmm. She didn't get into Louisville. She got into Philadelphia. And so we were, I was pulling into Philadelphia begrudgingly just to like, go see it whenever she got the email and she was like, Hey, I hope you like Philadelphia. Cause we're going there. And so, yeah, so she went to. Thomas Jefferson Medical School in downtown Philly. And I went to Westminster Theological Seminary, which is north of Philly. So we were there for four years. Wow. 2012-2016. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> not my not my place. Not my kind of place. We uh um and so then we moved from there to Columbus. That's where Valerie did her residency at Grant. Um, and then we moved to Chillicothe um for ministry, basically in 2018 2019 wow okay yeah. yeah and and so valerie works at adina we are one year into a new church here in town um and that's it kids we have two kids judah is five eliza is three fun fun ages yeah fun. now they are they do they are at the age where they are sometimes playing together uh-huh and I just try to be very quiet and not disturb <laughs> Let it that. Happen. Yeah. <laughs> now, is she? He's in kindergarten. That's right. And then she's in preschool. Yeah. So she goes. To well, preschool. it's daycare at the daycare. YMCA. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm a Y kid. I grew up at the Y. Oh yeah, the Y. We both of them have been Y have been Y kids. It's the best. I was a Y kid. Literally, I went from the time I was three until so when I turned fifteen and a half, they had workers permits. Uh huh. They used to have those. And so I got on staff at 15 and a half and worked there and then took a little break and then came back um, my freshman year of college that summer. And I spent six years. Oh, yeah. So like when I say I'm a white it's kid, deeply like, it, in was there. Like, yeah. it was my whole <laughs> childhood yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and part of adulthood. <laughs> so it is. I'm a, I'm a Y girl. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, 
I have so many things that I want to say and ask you. Um, but we will start. I'm going to try to keep my answers short. I'm very famous for just long-winded answers. I'm well, going to try not to do that to you. That could be a good and terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll start out with the first question that I always ask the pastors. What do you feel like the Lord's saying over Chillicothe? And I think it's interesting. Um, I wasn't sure. I didn't know how long you had been here. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that, you know, you moved here and then were here just a few years and then lived through a pandemic here and yeah. then decided to plant a church here. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of all of that, like, that's a lot. Yeah. But um, is there something that he has shown you specifically for? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, this sort of like we've, we've punted this recording a few times uh -huh. and I'm a listener. And so I know that this question is uh -huh. coming. And uh, in some ways, it, I mean, it's obviously a good question, but it's also sort of like a, um, like a high pressure question, right? Like, Oh, what don't you know? What's Jesus saying? <laughs> yeah. Tell us pastor. Yeah. But I, yeah, please. <laughs> But it's like, I, you know, so this one's, it's been marinating for a while. You know, it's, I've, I've been like specifically like thinking through that. And um, actually, so recently I do have an answer and not, not necessarily, I don't know if it's necessarily to Chillicothe specifically, mm -hmm. but it's at least to the body. Chillicothe ends mm -hmm. specifically in this cultural moment that we're living in. Yeah. Um, October, what is today? 18th. 18th, 2023, um, you know, there's stuff going on in the Middle East. Yep. And so anytime that happens with Israel specifically, mm -hmm. there's just people get all kinds of questions. Yep. I've gotten a ton of questions over the past two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, what's going on? Is the world going to end? Is Jesus coming back? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, there's a lot like everyone gets their prophecy charts out. Yes. Starts, you know, yes. what's going on? And um, so the question is like, I just had that question multiple times. Mm -hmm. And what I, I sort of have a settled answer. And I think that is because so many people are asking it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that partially fills the brief of yeah. what God is saying. Can I read to you? Yeah, got my, absolutely. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read you two passages from the Bible okay. real quickly. First okay. John two verse uh, 15 through 17. I'm just going to read 17. My heading is don't love the world. And verse 17 says the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever, lives forever. And then that makes me think of Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is like the famous uh -huh. new year uh -huh. Psalm. Um, you know, it's a long one. Uh, uh, it talks about God and how people come and go for our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is toil and trouble. They're soon gone. We fly away. Who considers your power? And then verse 12 is the famous one. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Um, there's one other passage in Luke. Luke 13, the Tower of Siloam, mm -hmm. just a little blip in your Bible where um, this tower falls and kills like 17 people. And the people ask Jesus, who sinned? What, yeah. Who sinned? These people are their parents that caused this tower to yeah. fall on them. 
And Jesus says something really amazing. He says, don't ask why the tower fell on them. Ask why it didn't fall on you. Go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. Basically saying like, in a sense, the people deserved for a tower to fall on them. Right. But they're not any worse than you are. Mm -hmm. You deserve for a tower to fall on you. Mm -hmm. So repent and go. So all that to say, um, last week when people were asking these questions about Israel and what's going on in the world, I had a member of my church going under surgery for a brain tumor. Mm -hmm. Another guy was in a freak car accident where both drivers were fine, but a second later, and they both would have not been fine. Oh my gosh. and so I'm sort of like balancing all of these things. Right. And it's like, so the lesson is tomorrow is promised to no one. Right. And that is just as true last week. Yeah. As it is today when foreign countries have missiles pointed at each other. Yeah. So on the one hand, that's, so that's cause for, in some sense, concern. Right. Like, yeah, we often think the pandemic did this. Yeah. Where it sort of wakes us up. Yeah. From like life's going to go on like this forever. There's no one in the world. Right. Whose life can't be changed in a second right now. Right. Um, And so because of that, like, you better get right (laughs) with Jesus. (laughs) Right. Like, that's the tower of Siloam. Repent and sin no more. Like there will come a day when there is no more today. But I think it's also a cause for peace and comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you know Jesus is Lord, yeah, you can trust him. He's a good God. He's got you in his arms. The world's not spinning out of control. Yeah. Um, even when it looks like yes. it is. Um, and I mean, the better you can help yourself to think that way, that helps you when things are spinning out of control on a global scale and when things are spinning out of control in your own Mm -hmm. life, you know, like, Hey, the, the worst thing that can ever happen, Jesus still has you. Yes. You know? Um, and so what does that mean? You should go to work tomorrow. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, uh, we were, what were you doing December 31st, 1999? Do you remember? Y2K? Babysitting. Okay. I was on ICQ. <laughs> I was babysitting and my mom worked at the Mead and she had to work because she was a computer engineer and they all thought that all the exactly. computers were going to yeah. crash. And so she was at work and I was babysitting for her friends. I remember t- on ICQ, we're all typing uh-huh. to each other. Here we go. Uh-huh. 1158. Oh, here we go. <laughs> 1159, 12. We're still here. 1201. <laughs> it's like, you can't, you can't shut down your life because yeah. something yeah, bad might happen. You know, yeah. um, uh, I was reminded Martin Luther, the reformer, allegedly, we can't find it written anywhere, but it's attributed to him, said that if he knew the world was ending tomorrow, he would still plant his apple tree yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's just, good life, good life advice. Yeah. And, and it's good advice. I think for times for, like these, yeah. you know, I love it. it's like be informed, but also like turn off the news. Yes. Spend time with your family. Yes. It, it, like life is precious. Yeah. And like your family is precious. The people in, you know, you love. Yeah. Life won't go on like this forever. There right. will come a time where something changes. Right. So 
enjoy, embrace the life God has given you right yeah. now. And be confident. I, it's funny. I have a friend who she's leaving for the beach Saturday and we were talking and, um, we were talking about like, you know, well, because people are saying like, but maybe Jesus is going to come back. Yeah. Maybe this is going to be the end and maybe, you know, all the things. And I told her, I said, well, you know, you're either next week, like you're either going to be on a beach having a blast at the beach or you're going to be with Jesus. <laughs> and so either way, win, win. Yeah. You know, and so I think that too, like that we have the confidence and we have the It's that's sort of peace. like the I mean that's firm foundation. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that that isn't one hundred percent. We um, have that because it's like, well, worst case scenario, I'm gonna be with him. Yeah. But that I mean, I do think that is the 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 Bible says today is the day of salvation. Yeah. You know, in a in a sense as a warning. Yes. So like there will come a day when you will stand before Jesus and that day is coming soon. Yes. Now soon we've been saying soon for 2000 years. Mm -hmm. What I often tell people is I think we will all agree. You will be standing before Jesus sooner than you think. Yes. You know? Um, and so um, some, somewhere in the old Testament in the prophets, it talks about how there's this rumor of war. Mm -hmm. And the people um, shook, mm -hmm. their hearts shook like dead men. Mm -hmm. And then later it says, if you are not firm in the faith, you won't be firm at all. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to be someone who doesn't know Jesus in tumultuous times. Yeah. But I imagine it's kind of scary. What is going on? Yeah. There's not, a, there's not that firm foundation yeah. there. And so in some sense, this moments like this moments, like 2020 kind of like, Shake yeah. you awake. Yeah. Hey, you know, cons your cons consider your yeah. life, consider what's going on. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, a, in some ways, a kindness yes. to like wake you up from slumber. Which is, you know? I mean, that is, you know, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. And so, yeah, yes, absolutely. 100%. It's the yeah. kindness because that's what we need is we need repentance and so then you do know repentance leads to salvation and so then you have that peace that no matter what happens yeah he's got gotcha. you and so now you're just kind of free yeah um when you read about the apostle paul in the bible that guy just unflappable yeah because he just had he that was, he yeah. had that foundation yeah. so you know shipwreck bitten by a stake you yeah know, people after him um he was kind of weird, right? Yeah. Like it bothered people. Why can't we get to you? Yeah. Cause you know, to, to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Right. The worst thing that can happen to a Christian from an earthly standpoint is the best thing that will ever happen to you. Yes. From an eternal standpoint. Yes. 100%. And then that frees you up to yeah. enjoy your life, live life. Yeah. Live, you know, go to the beach. Yeah. That's great. And enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I think it, it it's so true because ever since, not that it wasn't there before, but ever since 2020, there's just been so much fear and so much yeah. doom and gloom and fear and anxiety and all of the things. And it's just like, but as believers, we don't have to have that. Like we have 
that firm foundation. We have that peace. We have that hope that, you know, in Hebrews where it says like hope is the anchor, like it anchors us, it tethers us to remain calm and remain steadfast because we know who we are and whose we are and who's in control. You just made me think of this. Sorry. We, we may get to a second question. (laughs) Um, Often when people are asking that question, is the world going to end? They say it because they love this the world, world. Yeah. and they don't want it to end. Right. And I don't want to say the world stinks, but it's like there's something better yeah. for us. Yeah. And so, it, and so it's kind of like, and Christ frees you up yeah. to absolutely love you know you can like enjoy embrace the life god has given you love love your life it's a gift from god every day is a gift every breath that's absolutely true but also this isn't the last chapter Mm -hmm. of your life it's the second to last chapter and the second the last chapter of your life is much much longer yeah than this chapter um do you remember uh pastor tim keller died Uh last year Mm -hmm. cancer I remember hearing an interview with him where after his diagnosis for this, like what nine months or whatever that he mm-hmm. lived, he talked about how flowers smelled better. Yes. Food tasted mm-hmm. better. And so it was just like, there was this realization yes. of like, this isn't all there is. Yes. I'm on the precipice of something more, Yes, but that actually enhanced mm-hmm. the life right mm-hmm. now. And so it's kind of a, a paradox in yeah. that way. So it's funny that you said that because um, there was a lady that um, she worked at RCCA and she had cancer. And when she was getting closer to the end, um, we went out and saw her at her house and she said the same things. Like she was like, Mm -hmm. I just, she was like, the grass looks greener and the air smells fresher and everything is just so much more beautiful and I'm just so much more aware and more grateful. And she said the same, like she was Mm. like, the colors are more vibrant and everything is just, and she had this, she was like, she was a really quiet person, but she was like, Alina, I just, it's like, I, when I do go out, she said, I just wish Like, I just want to stand on the street corners and tell everybody how good the Lord is. Like, she was like, I just want everybody to be able to experience this. And I Mm -hmm. want everybody. And it was like this passion like rose up in her. And I was like, oh my goodness, because like she was so quiet and so soft-spoken, but it, it gave her this extra gratitude and this extra awareness of all of the things that he's created, but also more of a passion of like, I want everybody to know him. Mm. I want everybody to come to him. And so even that, like if it stirs anything in you to think, oh my gosh, is the world going to end? Oh my gosh. It's like, it should make you even more grateful for today and even more grateful for the blessings and even more intentional. And also to tell people about Jesus so that they can have the same confidence and so that they can spend eternity. Yeah. Our pastor, um, I, he, I wasn't there when he did this, but he's told the story where he hung a, um, 
a string from like one side of the sanctuary to the other. And then he tied a ribbon and was like, this ribbon is literally like your life. It is, we are but a vapor. Mm -hmm. Like we are here just momentarily. And we feel like it's so long, but it's not. And um, ask any elderly person in your life. Yeah. Do you think your life has gone by fast? And they'll almost always say faster yeah. and faster. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's probably because they're getting closer to that yeah. precipice of looking at the rest of that string. Yeah. Of eternity. And it is, it's, we had one more story and then we can move on, but we had um, a lady in our church who had cancer and she, I remember sitting in a meeting with her sister-in-law and she said something that like marked me and has stayed with me ever since. And she said, you know, we want her to stay here. We want her to be healed. We want that time with her. And she was like, but if something happens and she, you know, goes to with Jesus, like that's what she lives her whole life for. Like that's what she has lived for is to spend eternity with him. And so how selfish of us to be like, but we want you to stay here. We want you to be here. When really like her whole point of living was for eternity. And it's like, that has stayed with me. And not that, I mean, obviously I will still always choose to believe for healing. I will still always choose to believe for absolutely 100%. I'm not saying don't do those things 100%, but it's like, in our quote, quote, worst case scenario, it's like, but that's what we live for. Like our end goal is eternity. And so if something happens that puts us there sooner than what we are ready for, what our family or friends are ready for, it's like, we get to go to what we've been living our whole lives for. Yeah. I said it in my sermon this past Sunday. No one goes too early. No one goes too late. Yeah. Jesus takes you exactly when he means to take you. Yeah. So one, you can trust that, but also I had a former pastor who used to say, if you're wondering if God has a purpose for you, take two of your fingers, hold them up to your neck. If you're breathing, if you have a pulse, then that means yes. Yeah. God still has a purpose for you because if not, he'd take you home. Yeah. And, and so again, that's, that's Paul. Yeah. Paul wanted to go home. Yeah. He was kind of, at the time he was like, who who will deliver me from this body of death? Get me out of here. (laughs) But also while I'm here, I'm going to work harder than anybody. I'm going to, you know, seek to honor Christ in my life. I can't wait to go home. Yeah. Please let me go home. But I'll go home when Jesus takes me home. Yes. I love it. I want to take just a bit and tell you about my amazing, amazing partners. First up, Roast Coffee. They have the best coffee that you will ever taste for sure here in Chillicothe, Ohio, but maybe the best coffee that you'll ever taste in your whole life. No joke. It's the best. If you are looking for just a strong black coffee, I highly recommend the Americano. If you are looking for something sweet, you cannot go wrong with a Cubano hot or iced. And if you are a tea drinker, I cannot recommend the London Fog enough. It is incredibly delicious, especially on these cool days. It's kind of like a hug in a cup. They also have some really, really delicious fall drinks 
that are absolutely delicious. They have a homemade pumpkin spice latte. Listen, Starbucks has nothing on theirs. It is homemade pumpkin syrup and it is absolutely fantastic. They also have a fireside latte that is probably my favorite. I love it. They also have um, some seasonal foods. I had the peach toast the other day. It is delicious. I think they're getting ready to take that off the menu. So this might be your last week to try it out. So if you haven't had it yet, go get it. Also, I've got Sweet William Blossom Boutique. They are in the peak of homecoming season, and so they are staying busy, and they are absolutely amazing at everything they do. I have seen these corsages and boutonnieres that they put out, and if you are still in need of one, contact them. It doesn't get any better than them. Also, they have my favorite chocolate-covered strawberries. They've got gourmet apples, all kinds of goodies. Go check them out. And last but not least, Maggie and Me Candle Company. Oh my goodness, they have the best candles ever. Go check them out on their, I would recommend you go to their Facebook page and check out. Uh, they have some collaborations with businesses downtown and they are amazing. So go check them out and see what scents they have at which store and then go get them. Oh my goodness, their fall scents are my absolute favorite and so this is my favorite time of year to get candles from them go check them out and whatever you do whether it's roast coffee or sweet william or maggie and me candle company uh, when you do go check them out be sure to let them know that alina sent you now back to the episode so before we started recording we talked a little bit about just life and was very interesting. Some of the connections that we made um, with who we know and because you grew up in Waverly and I had friends in Waverly. And so we were able to connect some of those dots, which were very funny and interesting. Um, but one of the things that you said that just blows me away is that so your parents were pastors and like you were that that preacher's kid that like never was rebellious and so like at least publicly yeah but even in your like private rebellion it didn't really sound like (laughs) let me have my rebellion (laughs) i'm a i'm a i'm a street tough (laughs) he was telling a story about how he said i went to one party in high school but then he tells me the story about the party and he's like he went there to go pick up a friend. And I said, well, then you didn't go to a party. He said, no, I physically went to a party. And I was like, no, you went in to get somebody and then you left. That's not going to a high school party. <laughs> so. Yeah, I grew up. So, yeah. So My- how did that, like, were your parent like, from when you were born, were they pastors? So my mom was a, um, a PE teacher. Okay. Um, so she wasn't considered a pastor. My dad um, was from as or almost as early as I can remember. Um, so he, he did some um, work with children's services when I was very young. But then they started River Valley Community Church in Waverly in like 1997 or so. And so, you know, I'm seven or eight at okay. that time. And so, That's yeah, all I, I was, yeah. The, I think the story that paints the picture is we had kids programming 
as I grew up. Yeah. So like there wasn't a junior high group until yes. I was in junior high. Mm-hmm. And then, and my friends were in junior high. There wasn't a high school group until mm-hmm. we got to high school. That was just like the way the church was growing. Yeah. And so, yeah, there wasn't, there was sort of an expectation that like I was, it wasn't a question. Yeah. I'm going to everything. I'm going to the youth event. I'm going to the outreaches. Um, and part of that was certainly good informative. Yeah. You know, there can be drawbacks to that, but yeah. So for as long as I can remember, I was pastor skid and that, you know, people would ask me, are you going to carry on the family business, et cetera, uh-huh. you know? So yeah, I grew up with that. Gotcha. Yeah. And then did you just always like, did you always just love Jesus? Did you always just walk in that? And then at what at what point, and it's interesting, I told you this, but it's interesting that you are on the podcast when you are, because when people listen to this the week before, they have heard from um, Sierra Berry, who's also a preacher's kid. And that's what we talk about is, you know, when did your, basically, when did your parents' relationship with the Lord be, like, when did you yeah. get a relationship with the Lord? And so I'll ask you that same question. Like, when did that happen? I, um... You know, the old joke is that the worst kids are teacher's kids and preacher's kids. Yes. And I was both of them. Um, but apparently I wasn't a bad kid no. by your estimation. Um, <laughs> uh, no, that that's an important question. And when I did youth ministry, I feel like that was the main drum that I hit was yeah. you have to own faith for yourself. Yeah. Um, if you, I do have a conversion story. Um I, I don't think you have to. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Some people say, I never remember a day when I wasn't a Christian. And in fact, that's what we pray for our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, for five years now, I've prayed for Judah. Lord, I pray that there would never be a day that he doesn't know Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Lord has answered that prayer. I think <laughs> yet, <laughs> but we pray that he will. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, if you ask my mom, she would say I became a Christian when I was seven. Um, my cat died and my mom, Jesus, juked me. And said, do you know what would happen to you if you died? (laughs) No. (laughs) And uh, so I prayed the sinner's prayer. I say that in quotations. Um, I don't think I became a Christian then. Maybe I did. Um, The more, I think, legitimate moment was uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. I went to a youth retreat. um, Heard a, a talk about the prodigal son you know, the being saved from religion, basically be doing, always doing the right thing, being outwardly doing everything right, but inwardly not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that probably points to the tension that you and I have uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that outwardly it looked yeah. good, but inwardly yeah. it was, you know, turmoil not. and mm-hmm. rebellion um, that I wasn't, that I couldn't act on, but wanted yeah. to act on something like that. Um, and so, and I also, you know, life change, is an, is an important marker of yeah. whether you know Jesus or not. You know, have you, do you actually turn because of the power of Jesus within yeah. you? Um, I'm not sure that I had that when I was seven. Right. I think I had that when I was 16. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't immediate, but it was sort of like, yeah. okay, now I want to start to like know God's word and love him and follow him in a way that just, I was just going through the motions showing yeah. up before. So... And then I don't know a whole lot about you, um, but the little bit that I know is 
part in part because your mom did our wedding photos and um let me just say that's often my introduction to people i'm sure it is people i say, remember actually telling you yeah. when i first met i was like oh my gosh yeah your mom did my wedding <laughs> okay. and literally your face was like mm -hmm, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um fantastic photographer just fantastic but i remember um when so we got married in september 209 uh, 2009 i don't know why i said 209 um and she was in the middle of a divorce and so how was that for you like you know your parents are in ministry and all the things and then you have this like you just said, life event where yeah. you can either turn to Jesus or turn far away from him. Yeah. And so what, what did that do to and for you? It's, um, yeah, the, um, I was 19 when my parents divorced. And so it was a little bit, you know, it was like my parents were together for all of my formative mm -hmm. years. It was much harder on my two brothers who were 14 and nine. You know, they were sort of right in the middle of it. But the way it did affect me was um, it was that was so summer, um, spring and summer 2009. Uh, a number of things happened all at once. Um, the, I, the I had a long term relationship, dating relationship end. Um, I moved. I had been going. I was completed my freshman year at my dream school for college um because of I, I come home i'm home for summer find out my parents are splitting up um my dad's resigning from the church so like that that thing that i had always known yeah. him being a pastor that's not there anymore uh my dream school's gone this dating relationship is gone um this image of you know a, a pastor's family in a small town you know this image of like perfect family that's broken up and you know very public and so it was, I call it the dark, my dark night of the soul, because it was sort of like all of these things that I found value in and cared about just sort of fell all at once. And so it really was a test of faith yeah. to see like, okay, do I really believe in Jesus? Yeah. And, and it, and it calls you, like you said, to either say, well, no that can fall like all these other things. Yeah. That's just being propped up by or social expectations or like, or, or like, I want to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, or I mean, what, what happened there was I got nothing else. Yeah. I have to cling to this, yeah. even if I don't like it, like mm -hmm. it's like a, a shipwreck, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, this is the only piece of driftwood I've got. Yeah. And so we're just going to find out if Jesus <laughs> will leave me or forsake me or let me down or not. Yeah. And so, um, even though that was a, incredibly hard time, a lot of destruction, a lot of pain. I'm very thankful for the Lord's kindness mm -hmm. through that. Um, because he, he drew me closer to him and there's, there's nothing better than yeah. that. Um, uh, a, a quote that I was, that I heard then and have been reminded of often since, um, St. Augustine said how sweet it was all at once to be rid of those sweetless joys that I once feared to lose. You, meaning God, drove them from me and took their place. You who are sweeter than all pleasure. 
That is so good. Yeah. And it just mapped on exactly to my life. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm putting my hope in all of these things that are good things. Yeah. But those things are all going to let me down. Right. If I put all my weight on them. Right. There's one thing that won't do that. And that's Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Yeah. Now, what happened was, I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. Mm -hmm. What then happens is once you're rightly oriented, those other things can start to be built back up and have their proper place in your life. Yeah. You know, I have a good relationship with my mom and dad. You know, I have uh, the girl that we, that, that relationship ended. That's Valerie. She's my wife. You know, like I often say, I, I mean, I was very selfish. I was not ready to marry Valerie mm-hmm. pre-divorce. Whenever I go through that period and we come back together, I'm much more free to love and serve yeah. her in a way that we were kind of like, okay, now we can get married. Yeah. You know, she, she didn't say that at the time, but I feel like she probably felt that yeah. like before it was like, I don't know if I can be with, you know, this mm-hmm. guy now it's like, okay. Um, so I told you we, uh, I was in, so I transferred to Ohio state. I missed my freshman year at Ohio state. That's when everybody makes friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I had no friends at Ohio state. I just, I moved in with a couple guys, uh, from that I knew from high school. And, um, I started going to the vineyard, which is a mega church in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And the reason I went is I just wanted to go and hide. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Didn't want anybody to talk to me. Just wanted to go and sit in the back and leave. And that's what I did. And um, eventually I was like, okay, I want to start helping out. Maybe I like do youth ministry. That's fun. Um, <laughs> and so I went to like the youth ministry kiosk after church one Saturday night. And I said, hey, I'm a college student. I've got a ton of time on my hands. Can I help? And they said, sure, we'll call you tomorrow. They called me the next day and they said, hey, we're so happy you want to help. We want you to serve in our preschool ministry. <laughs> and I was like, well, that sounds terrible, but got nothing else to do. So absolutely, <laughs> let's do it. And so for one semester, I only did one semester, oh my, uh-huh. I, I taught preschool at the vineyard. Um, so I was, here were my jobs. I ran the, the Play-Doh table. I was the voice of God in the skits which I would stand behind a curtain and just boom out. And uh, they had a playground. And when a kid would go up to the top of the playground and get stuck, my job was to go up and get them because I, I was the only young person that could do that. And so I did that for a, a semester. Uh-huh. They said, do you want to, we, we love you. You want to keep doing this? And I was like, mm, I really don't. Um, and so then I got into youth ministry from there. That's sort of started where I started to feel my call to full-time ministry. I thought I was going to be, I want to be a high school teacher, a football coach, and do youth ministry. Um, That was like Uh what I wanted to do. The more I thought about it, I thought, I don't actually want to be a teacher. (laughs) I'm using a teacher, being a teacher just so Uh I can do something because I want to be in ministry. And so then I thought, you know what? I don't really like youth ministry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the the energy or the patience for it. And so that's whenever I started to think about full-time pastoral ministry started looking at seminary. That's how we got to Philadelphia. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it really was that like, like growing up when I asked, was asked that question, are you going to be a pastor? No way. Yeah. Um, which of course, you know, every story, every, yes. <laughs> you know, it's a yes. common story, but, but God definitely used that time 
of darkness and pain to sort of you know mold me grow me change me yeah um and so that's where we are today i love it so you did that then you went to seminary and then you um moved to columbus and then came here how did you get here? What brought you guys to Chillicothe? Oh, because she did her residency. In Columbus. Oh, yeah, in we, Columbus. we were planning to stay in Columbus. Okay. Um, and I went to, I was at a, like a church leadership conference with the church we were going to in Columbus. And the speaker just said, um, I, I never considered myself a church planter. Never thought about it. Never wanted to do it. I had to take a class in seminary on church planting that I just totally blew off. Ah, now I'm like, Hindsight's wish I had bought those books. Um, <laughs> um, but I, we were, I was at this conference and the speaker was talking about, he said two things that stuck with me. He was talking about the importance of just local ministry and even like neighborhood, like actually loving your neighbors, um, the people who physically live around you. Yeah. Like that's where God has you yeah. as like a, an initial mission field. That really sort of convicted me. And then he talked about how often what church, the church's growth strategies are by stealing people from other churches, mm-hmm. just shuffling sheep, saying, we're going to do church newer, better, bigger. Forget your lame old church that you've been going to. Come and join us. Um, rather than being a church that seeks lost people. Yeah. And so I am... Um, that, so I came home from that conference thinking thinking about friends and family from back home. And so I, I, that's when I first started to feel sort of pulled back here. Um, and Valerie was just similar. Um, you know, she had all this medical training, this expertise. And so it really came from a desire to give back to the people who gave so much to us growing up, to, you know, to, to serve and give back to them. And so that's how we ended up back here. So then how come Chillicothe and not Waverly? Or is that just because Adina's here? And I like Chillicothe. <laughs> well, I mean, it's <laughs> well, pretty great. What's, what's funny is we, um, I mean, Chillicothe is a, you kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Of small town, but also some of like the restaurants yeah. and, and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, that's and, and Adina is part of it too. Yeah. So. And so then how did, how did you plant a church? Well, well, it's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'll be honest, I, it was kind of like one day it wasn't there and the next day it was there. Yeah. That's, so that's partially uh, behind the curtain design Uh Um, in that we just the style of church that we are, we never really had like a launch yeah. Like a big boom yeah. burst onto the scene. That was partly by design. Um, and so we don't need to get into the story, but so in 2018, we started serving at a at first Baptist church in Waverly with the intention to plant soon thereafter. Mm-hmm. So it was March, 2020 congregational meeting at first Baptist church. They voted to send us to go and plant <laughs> the next Sunday was two weeks to flatten the curve. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we had a we had a, a Bible study that was meeting that was sort of intending to be the core group of the plant. Um, 
my read is that we just didn't have enough time to really form bonds. We weren't unified. We weren't ready to survive what was going to happen that summer. Yeah. I, I probably had some leadership deficiencies. I just wasn't strong enough to like hold this group together. Yeah. You know, I was kind of, I was sort of depressed myself yeah. that summer yeah. of like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and so that just sort of dropped. Um, I dropped it. And really what we did, I made a two-year commitment to our church in Waverly. I said, we're going to, you know, circle the runway and, you know, I'll commit to you guys. And then we'll, we'll try this again in a couple years. And so really what we did for those two years um, was I was looking for people who were solid, mature Christians who weren't committed to a local church. Yeah. That's a hard person to find. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was mostly people like us. Yeah. People like who had moved away, mm-hmm. who had just moved back, who hadn't didn't really hadn't landed anywhere. Um, you know, I reached out to those people, and so um, we we had a Bible study at our house Sunday evenings, and so you know it was just six, twelve, fourteen, seventeen people, and we got to a point where people were starting to sit on the floor. That's like a good uh-huh. like a good measuring point. Mm-hmm. And so then it was uh, October 18th, September 18th, September 18th of last year, 2022, where we moved that Bible study to a Sunday morning. We didn't tell, there was still nothing public about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we just sort of said, and I was, I was careful to say, we're not a church, but we're going to start doing churchy things. Mm-hmm. So like, we're going to pray and we're going to sing songs. And, um, you know, if you have, if you want to invite people, invite people, that kind of thing. It's hard to invite people to a house they've never been to. Yeah. Hey, come. <laughs> you know, just very unusual. And so that sort of gave us, so we we meet at Chillicothe Intermediate School. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, come to a school. <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit better. Um, and so then in January of this past year, January 29th, we sort of had a church meeting where we decided to be a church. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the main key between not a church and a church is there some sort of self-acknowledgement yeah. of okay we are going to be a church we're going to start building this out um and so then you know so now we're a year into that um i i was talking to someone recently i haven't referred to myself as a church planter in a long time mm-hmm. you know at this point it's kind of like i just think i think i'm a pastor uh-huh. this is a this is my church right these are our church people, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so in a sense, there was kind of like a, to use starting language, there was a launch. Yeah. But it was kind of like a quiet push off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now here we, you know, we're out here on the open sea. Yeah. Here we go. It's, it's ministry, normal stuff. So. Yeah. Now, my other question that I have just wondering, um, how is it? pastoring people that are so much older than you because you're still pretty young yeah so is that harder than what you thought it it, it it there's a there's an element to it that is somewhat challenging in that part i mean part of pastoring is shepherding mm-hmm. and part of shepherding is imparting wisdom mm-hmm part of wisdom comes from just having lived life. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have a lot of 
like workplace advice mm-hmm. to give to people who have been in the workplace for much longer than me. Um, but I think that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, I think part of, part of my job is to help that person think Christianly, think biblically right. about how to go about working in their workplace. And that's just applicable no matter right. how old you are. It's partially, it's partly just on those older people yeah. to, to submit themselves to me yeah. as their pastor. Um, and I can't coerce that. Yeah. It's, it's more on them to just say, okay, God has us where he has us. He has us, you know, under this, this pastor. And so insofar as that pastor is speaking biblically and speaking truth, then we'll follow him. I often tell people, um, when churches are looking for a pastor, they usually don't want a young person. Mm -hmm. They usually want like a grizzled veteran Mm -hmm. because of the practical things we talked about. I think what you, what you see biblically at least is Paul seems to care less about the resume and more about the character Mm -hmm. of a pastor and age maybe might play into that. But it to me, it's just as much of a positive as a negative. Yeah. Like if a church hires a solid, qualified pastor in his 20s, it's kind of like having a lion cub yeah. in your house. Mm-hmm. Be patient with him. Let him chew up the furniture a little <laughs> bit. He's going to have some accidents. But if you stick with him and if he's faithful, then you'll have a lion who's faithful to you for decades and so you know and so it's kind of like and that's you know paul says to timothy don't let anyone look down on you because you're young well Um, and i think what has stuck out about you to me personally is you know there are younger pastors they tend to have very young churches yeah and i don't know a whole lot about your congregation but some of the people that i know go there you don't have a very young congregation. (laughs) And so I think that's what made me ask the question because it's not, you know, like I said, like I've seen people who have started ministry young, but then you look at their church and you're like, oh, well, yeah, like it all, they're all in their thirties. They're all about the same, but yours is very diverse. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And And I'm I'm thankful for that. I love that. Yeah. Um, In other churches I've been in, like the church we were in in Columbus was very young. And they were like, how do we get old people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the church First Baptist is an older congregation. And they were like, how do we get young people? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. We, so we have like 38 members of our church yeah. that, that I, I'm pretty happy with mm-hmm. the spread there. Um, it's, I, I think churches re- start to reflect their pastors. Yeah. Um, and so if I'm, if I'm self-analyzing, I think I'm not a very hip uh, you know, snazzy guy yeah. myself. And you can tell that by the fact that I just use the word snazzy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of a traditional guy, yeah. you know, and, and I don't have, I mean, part of our starting this church was, I don't really, I tell people all the time, I don't have any creative ideas Yeah. Um, to like get people in the door. Yeah what we're purposely trying to do is just the stuff that churches have been doing for centuries. Yeah. We're going to read the word, preach the word. We're going to sing songs. We're going to pray. 
and trust God to to do it. Which is how it should and, be. <laughs> and so, and so that, you know, and so I think that that's because that's a little more traditional. We meet in a school, often we're kind of a no man's land. Like yeah. we're, we're kind of a traditional kind of church, but we meet in a school yeah. there, you know, we have, um, sometimes we have like some liturgy stuff, but there's kids just yeah. running around this past Sunday. We, we do communion every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so we've got the loaf and the cup sitting up there. This past Sunday, I got up to preach, and there was a bite taken out of the <laughs> communion bread. And I was like, which of these? There were like 17 kids there, like under the age of eight. So I was like, one of these kids just took a bite out of the bread. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. And so and so it's like, but to me, it's been really encouraging to me. Yeah. Because like, like we have, our oldest member is 88 years old. I called him the day before our first Sunday. Um, he went to First Baptist with us, but he lives up by OUC. And so I was like, hey, if you don't like making that, I know you don't like the drive. You can just roll down the hill to Chillicothe Intermediate mm-hmm. School. He's been there, apart from health problems, every Sunday, sitting at an elementary, an intermediate school lunch table. And to me, that really is a beautiful yeah. thing, yeah. you know, of like, it's not the building. It's, you know, this group of people coming yeah. together to do this thing. Um, so that's been really encouraging, yeah. encouraging to me. I love that a lot because it made me think so way back. It was maybe 2010, 2009, 2010, we were newly married and I had been going to a women's Bible study and, um, a friend of mine and I decided that we were going to branch off and start our own for the simple fact that Randra and I, we met on Monday nights with, it was at a church here in town, a women's Bible study. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was, that's what introduced me to women's ministry. And I was like, this is my thing. I mm-hmm. love this. And, but then we got married and Randra was working at the library at the time. And you had to work one night a week. And, um, he was working Tuesday nights. And so, I was gone Monday night for Bible study. He was gone Tuesday night for work. We were gone Wednesday night for church. And then it was like, we've missed half the week together and we were newlyweds and we were like, this isn't happening. So a friend of mine and I decided to start a Bible study on Tuesday nights so that we could just be gone Mm -hmm. the same night and have Monday and you know, whatever. So um, I started a women's Bible study and there was, a lady that came who um, she had gone to my church that I grew up at. And then when I started, she actually started going to another church. And then I ended up there when I got older. And um, so she just has been a part of my life literally since I was a baby. And the other girl, we led Bible study together for a little bit. She dropped out. And then, so it was just me leading this Bible study. And this woman came and I'll never forget, like we lived in a house that had no air conditioning and it was the middle of the summer and it was so hot. And when you said like, you know, he'll come sit in the, the 88 year old will come sit in the seat. That's so uncomfortable and things mm-hmm. like, um, she was older and she would come sit in my living room and I would get off work and, you know, I'd have the window air conditioner on, but it was still like, it would read like 
80 degrees in our house and I'm not even kidding because it was so hot and um she would come every Tuesday and she would sit in the living room. She'd have her fan <laughs> and she'd fan herself. Yeah. And, but I just remember thinking like, and it's still, I mean, it's to this day, like it sticks because it's just like, she wanted Jesus yeah. and she wanted to be with other women and she wanted to get into the word and that overrode. Yeah comfortable yeah and it overrode like you know i was 21 22 at the time and um and she showed up every week she was like my most faithful most consistent hmm. person who was there and so it's that kind of stuff it sticks with you and it's like that's such an encouragement because it's like okay you're a lot older have a lot more wisdom know a lot more about jesus than i ever will but you're here every week in a really, really hot house Yeah. <laughs> when you have air conditioning at your house and you could just be home Yeah. and it just, it says a whole lot. And so it's the, um, the technical term for the opposite of what we're talking about is the homogeneous unit principle, mm -hmm. like attracts like, yeah, I think Francis Chan said, if, to, if the spirit of God left your church, what would happen? Yeah. And the challenge is many churches would continue to meet. Yeah. Because we just were so much alike. Yeah. We just kind of like each other, that yes. we're attracted to each other anyway. Yes. Where that's 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 danger zone. Yeah. Whereas if we're here because what we have in common is Jesus, yeah. Then now you're on your way to a healthy, healthy church. Yeah. I've I've always told our people, this is what we're aiming for. You know that you've walked into a healthy church when you walk in and you look around and one of your questions is, how did all these people get together? Yeah. What are they doing here? Because from an earthly standpoint, yeah. these people should go their separate ways. Yes. But it's like, no, I'm here because I'm a beggar who found bread. Yes. And you found the same bread. Yes. And that's why we're here. And so then it's, yeah, whether it's an 88 degree living room or a, a nice school, but yes. still a school um, or a, a table at the park. Yeah. You know, it's like we're, we share this thing yeah. that's so central to our identity. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love it. And I love, I love your heart for it. And I love, it makes me think, and I think like, I've always really, I mean, not, I say always, but I've really only known you not very long, but I think that's one of the reasons maybe that I've always just clicked with you. Like, I mean, I didn't know all of this, but now as we're talking, I'm like, yeah, okay. It makes sense because that's my heart. Like when I led the, I led a women's Bible study for almost 10 years and we had like, at one point we had 10 churches represented. And so all different denominations, mm -hmm. all different churches, all different mindsets yeah we had people from like 19 years old all the way up to 70s and um and i loved it like it brought me so much joy because we would just dig into the word together and you got so many different perspectives mm -hmm. because there were so there was so much diversity mm -hmm. and i 
I love that. And so when I come in roast on Thursday mornings and see you sitting at the pastor table with all of these different pastors who have all different ideas and opinions and perspectives of things, and you're sitting right there in the middle, soaking it all up and also contributing to it. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that. I love your heart for unity, especially in a city that you've only lived in a few years. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Um, we, I think it, it pushes right on the issue of like, I'll sit, I'll sit next to pastor Sean. We're sitting in Sean's office right Uh now. Sean Howard and I have very different doctrinal beliefs and that filters out into our view of how church ought to go on Sunday morning. Yeah. Two very different church services on Sunday morning. But, um, and, and in part, that's why we started a church right. because we had the freedom to do something different than what we thought other people were doing. Right. But every week we pray for three other churches in town or around pray that God would move, that God would work, that mm-hmm. lost people would come to know Jesus as Lord, whether it's here or whether it's there. Yeah. Um, and you know, we are, even though we have disagreements, we view things differently. Yeah. And I, I don't want to say those disagreements don't matter. Right. Often somebody's right or wrong, but the way I say it is, Sean's going to be wrong in heaven. Yeah, right. And I'm going to be right in heaven. Right. <laughs> um, but it's like you know, it's we agree on who Je- like yeah. Jesus as Lord, the gospel. You yes. Know, that just, but it, but it also filters out. We have the freedom to worship and let that play yes. out in church differently. While we can even say, that's a brother. Yes. We're on the same team. Yes. And so, you know, and so it's kind of like we're all pulling together. Yeah. Um, and so whether, you know, we pray for revival, whether that happens at New City Church or First Assemblies or wherever. Yeah. You know. I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, you know, the last question I always ask is what is the Lord speaking to you personally? Can I read to you again? Yes, you can. <laughs> this, so this is this is just a, this has been a constant thing for me this year. And it's helpful to listen to what I say in light of what I just said. Mm-hmm. Um, First Corinthians 4, this is Paul. He writes, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And this is the verse, verse 2. Moreover, mm-hmm. it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And so what I have to constantly remind myself of is that Jesus has called me to faithfulness, not fruitfulness. That and that that's true for me as a pastor. That's yeah. true for every person, wherever you are, wherever you are right now. That's where God has called you. Yeah. Um. You know, sometimes I'll hear people say, talk about calling language and say like, "Oh, I'm called to do this, but I'm doing this," and like maybe that's true. But God has called you to do this thing that you're doing right now. He has you where He has you for a reason. Yeah. And the reason the reason is for you to be faithful right there in this moment and trust God with the results. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to fight. It's a constant battle to fight sort of the flesh of like, there's a human, there's a human desire of like, I want everybody to love my church and love what I'm doing and love what we're doing. Cause I love it. And like, I, like I put so much energy into it. And, and I think what we're doing is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but you have to like fight the fleshly desire of like 
status yeah. and fame and say, that's not on me. Right. It's not my job to manufacture attendance numbers. Right. You know, it's faithful day in and day out, week in and week out. Um, I climb up in the pulpit every Sunday, preach the word, we pray, we sing, and trust that whether we're a church of 40 people, 100 people, 14 people, whatever, that Jesus has is going, is, he gives us what he desires to give us. Yeah. Um, and one day I'll give an account to God for how I shepherded these mm-hmm. 38 people. There, it's kind of a handful. 38 mm-hmm. people is a ton of people to give an account to mm-hmm. God for their souls. And so I, you know, and so it's like, so, you know, it's faithfulness. Yeah. It's what does God have for me today? What does it mean to be faithful today in my marriage, with my friends, yeah, at my job, with my neighbors? Um, keep your eyes there and not be discouraged about why, you know, why aren't I off doing bigger mm-hmm. and better things? There's nothing better than what Jesus has for you right now. And so that's often my Monday morning self coaching, <laughs> you know, when I'm like replying in my head, yeah. oh, this didn't quite go how I wanted uh-huh. it to go yesterday. And it's, uh-huh. it's over. Uh-huh. That's done. You gave it your best. Trust yeah. God to do it. I mean, we said earlier, you know, I can't save my kids' souls. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. I really want to. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. What I can do is read, okay. read the Bible to them. Mm-hmm. We're going through this little gospel book it's very sweet to hear my three-year-old say punishment (laughs) (laughs) it's like the key words righteousness um and just trust god to to bring new life yeah and that's true in my kids life that's true with the people who visit our churches that's true with the people in your life yeah um but that's just kind of like a constant reminder and so i'm thankful when i read in the word about that we're not called to fruitfulness we're called to faithfulness. God is the one who brings fruit and it's his, it's all his glory, his honor, his kingdom. Yeah. Well, I love it. I've loved this whole conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So thankful for what you do. Um, again, you know, that Thursday morning pastor's time is a good picture of unity, mm-hmm. you know, around town, but also like, you know, you doing this podcast, having these conversations with, with different people, um, it's just a very sort of special thing. I mean, it's like I get to listen. It's almost like I get to listen to this conversation that you're having mm-hmm. with these guys that I see in public. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like I get a little snapshot into their into their lives. Yeah. So that's really great. Well, I love it. Well, thanks for being here. Gosh, I hope that you all love that as much as I did. It was such a good conversation. You know, I it was funny to me and interesting to me because he is actually the first pastor who has pulled out the Bible and who has dug into scripture. Um, but I loved every single second of it. And I hope that you did too. I hope that it left you encouraged. I hope that it, you know, brought you closer to Jesus and that it inspired you and challenged you. Um, one of the things that I love the most um, is, you know, when he talks about that really hard season, the the dark night of 
the soul season that he had where um, he talked about how he really, it caused him to press into Jesus so much. And I loved that because so many times we, we do, we have that, we have those times that they're either going to pull us completely away from the Lord, or they're going to push us closer to him. And I just loved hearing how the Lord drew him so close in that season and made himself so real to Mason and just really solidified his relationship with him. And, you know, it's interesting. I didn't plan it like this. I didn't necessarily plan to have Sierra last week and then him this week of, you know, two pastor's kids and finding a relationship with the Lord for themselves. I didn't plan that. That's just kind of how it all fell into place. But it was really interesting to me to hear both of their stories back to back like that. And um, just to hear, you know, how solid and and grounded um, both of them are um, and just what a blessing it is. So, you know, there were just a lot of things, a lot of things in the beginning of our conversation where we just talked about, you know, how we as believers don't have a reason to walk in fear, to walk in, you know, the doom and gloom mentality, but we are challenged, you know, to live with so much more intentionality and gratitude. And that is something, that part of our conversation is something that has stuck with me. And I have thought about it so, so much. And just there's been times where I've been tempted to be fearful or to be overwhelmed. And I have come back to that part of our conversation and said, no, 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 I'm going to choose gratitude. I'm going to choose to rejoice um, and to not be afraid and to not be worried um, because the Lord is faithful and I have no reason to be afraid. And so I personally am really thankful for this conversation. It was very timely and I'm just very, very grateful. And I hope and I pray that it encouraged you um, as much as it did me. And I also just want to end this. I, I feel like I can't end this without <laughs> saying um, a big thank you to Pastor Sean Howard and his wife, Annie, who allowed us to record at their church. Um, pastor Sean was on early, early when I first started. He was actually my first chat with a pastor that I had um, and has been such a huge support and encourager. And um, he and Mason are friends. And I love what Mason said, you know, about how there's a lot of things where they may not see eye to eye on things completely theologically, um, but, or like what they believe in, you know, the little, littler things, but, you know, they're able to come together and they're able to walk in unity. And when I asked uh, Pastor Sean if we could use his office, it wasn't even a hesitation. It was absolutely yes. And his wife, Annie, came and unlocked the door for us and was there with us. And I'm just so, so grateful that we live in a city where pastors do that, where pastors, it's not about competition. It's not about any of those things, but it's about how can I help you? How can I, how can I help with no other agenda attached to it. And so just a big thank you, um, to, to pastor Sean and to Annie for being so 
wonderful and such great friends and for just being legit and authentic. <laughs> so, um, we, we really, I cannot say it enough. I, I made a post about it last week on my Facebook after we recorded and everything, but truly we have an incredible city filled with incredible pastors and we are blessed beyond words. So keep that in mind. Take some time to appreciate your pastor and other pastors in our city this week. It would be good. They could use the encouragement and the love. So anyways, I will end this and just say, um, have a fantastic week and I will join you next week for another episode of pour it out. Oh, and stay tuned because I will be giving a little bit of announcement later in the week about what to expect for the month of November, because I've got something really special planned and you will not want to miss it. So stay tuned, have a fantastic week and join us for another episode of Pour It Out next Thursday.